This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Ponco Chicken. Ponco Chicken, if you did not already know, is a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine. Uh, there are stores, if you're not familiar, um, all around the Atlanta area. Uh, there's one in Marietta now. There's one in Buckhead. There's one in Shambly. There's one in uh, Midtown. They're popping up everywhere because Ponco is awesome and uh, they're like family. So um, go check out Ponco if you have not already. It is the home of the award-winning Japanese American Chicken Tender. Just to brag on them a little bit more, they were Verizon Super Bowl Live top-selling vendor, three-peat Taste of Atlanta award winner. Uh, Midtown Alliance Best Taste winner. Just they won all the awards because Ponco is great and Ponco is delicious. So if you are in the Atlanta area and are looking to try something new and good and delicious, go check out Ponco Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. Uh, also, if you have not already, go check out chasemonspodcast.com. It's where all of my episodes to all of my podcasts are, all of my writing that I do, uh, more information on me and who I am um, and why you should be listening to this podcast and reading my work and all of that great stuff. Go do that. Go to Chase Thomas Podcast today. If you're an Apple podcast listener, go ahead and leave me five stars and a rating and a review. That's great. I need it. Um, it helps the show continue to grow and all of that good stuff. Um, you can listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, like I said, Apple, Google Play, everywhere where you can get your podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast will be there. So go do that today. Um, all right. I think that's everything. We can get into today's episode. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Welcome back to a Friday morning edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Mark Zeno of Atlanta Sports Section 680. The fan is here. Good morning, Mark. How are you doing? Chase, brother. How are you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Um, well, I mean, you're someone I've talked to at just about uh, everybody at 680. Feels like off and on, except Hoyt. Probably will never have Hoyt on. Don't think I could get through an entire podcast with him. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> He's a tough one at times. Uh, listen, you have to have a certain temperament to deal with Brian Hoyt on the regular. Some people have it, some people don't. I'm fortunate I have it. I love the guy. Um you know, we get along great. We laugh a lot, and uh, I don't take it too seriously. He doesn't take me too seriously, which is a rarity because usually everybody takes me too seriously. Do they? Because you're—I mean, you tweet through it. You're somebody on Twitter because, like, I'm not like. There's two types of people on Twitter: the people who are very comfortable having the back and forth, talking to different people, hashing out ideas, figuring out um, some sort of common ground, having a sports discussion, whatever. Um, Will Leach and I were talking about this in the podcast a couple of days ago, but we're not like that at all. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't feel comfortable ever really voicing a lot of my stuff out there. 
Um, I'll make the Luca would never joke every now and then, um, just because Trey people, Trey Young fans are the most delusional, weird people that I've been around in sports in a little while. But I, uh, I don't know. It's interesting that you're you're a lot more comfortable doing doing that than I am. Yeah, I mean, listen, I am there on Twitter for the discussion and the debate. Like mm-hmm. that to me, it is it is a forum. And so that's the way I treat it. Now, if people want to have intelligent conversations, I'm, I, that is my number one. I'll always want to have intelligent conversations with people and converse back and forth because I really feel like there are people who could teach me something, right? But usually the discourse starts with some sort of insult or some sort of shot or some sort of, you know, something to tear you down. And so as soon as the conversation goes there, well, then in a sense, I punch down. You know, mm. I mean, it, it's, I, again, I say it all the time and I say it loudly and I say it repeatedly and people don't get it. I am there on Twitter for entertainment as well. Like for me, it is fun to stir the pot. It is fun to mix it up. It is fun to be salty and watch people lose their minds. I literally have never lost an ounce of sleep over anything on Twitter ever, like ever. Maybe 1% of the things that I read on Twitter may actually bother me for oh a minute or two and that's about it. And then I recognize where the form is. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to waste my time on this. So when I'm tweeting during a Falcons game or something like that, like, yeah, I'm poking the bear a little bit. I'm poking the bear because I want to elicit emotion. I want to elicit reaction because that's where, that's where sports fans live. You know, um, I don't do that as much in the political world or in the military world. Those are two other areas that I really wade into mostly on Twitter. Um, so there I take, those I take with a lot more sensibility and a lot less, you know, Let's just aggravate people. So, but when it comes to sports, yeah, I'll, I'll poke the bear at anything. Like my good buddy, Brett McCauley, um, who does our Braves broadcast team over at 680. Uh, he's one of the best baseball guys I've ever known in my life. And, you know, yes, it was opening day. Give us your favorite Braves moment. And I wrote him back, Jim Leritz, question mark. And he's like, you know, this isn't funny. Why do you keep doing this? So, and Grant mm-hmm. knows me for years, so we get along. But it's like that sort of thing right there that I would write. That's just, okay, let's just have fun with people. Like it, but people take it so seriously, man. Like they act like I insulted their wife and told her she was ugly. And, you know, I, I said, you made ugly children and, you know, and they take it so personal. I take nothing personal. It doesn't matter what you say to me. And yes, do I make a habit of arguing with people? I have no business arguing with. Of course I do. Again, that's the punching down aspect of Twitter. Sometimes that can be fun, but you have to know when to cut it off. And I feel like I do a good job at knowing when to cut it off. I'll, I'll go back and forth with people for a little bit. After a while, I'm like, I'll just let you win. I'll let you feel like you won the argument. I don't care anymore. You know, but it, it's a form. It's supposed to be fun, and people take it so seriously. You know, again, the only things I take seriously on there are the military and political stuff, because that to me, you know, bad sports information doesn't hurt anybody. Bad sports takes don't really hurt anybody. But misinformation and disinformation in the political and military world for me is, is harmful because people's mm-hmm. lives are at stake. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's yeah. lives are at stake. If I, if I say Calvin Johnson doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame or Matt Ryan's at a Hall of Fame, like no one's going to die. So from that standpoint, I, I, I don't mind putting anything out there on Twitter. Um, every now and then, you know, I, I get into really good conversations with people and, you know, and I learn something. And, you know, it's great that you sort of make an acquaintance or for lack of a better term, a friend you know, on Twitter that you converse back and forth with. And, you know, it, believe it or not, I've had relationships in the industry start that way, you know, where I've just gone back and forth with people on a certain topic and then they follow me and I follow them. And it's, you know, DMs and say, hey, here's my number. And then we just start talking about everything in sports and life. And some of them become really good friends for me, really good, you know, uh, people, mentors that I, that I look to for advice and counsel on personal life stuff. So um, it, it's, it's the best in both worlds, but it definitely more often than not in the sports world is a successful. 
That's interesting. I um, I'm just the exact opposite. <laughs> I really don't look for that. That's why I just think it's interesting. Going well, through the there, I mean, there are spectators. Yeah, like on Twitter, I think there are spectators and there are people who are in the arena, and you can mm. be both, and, and both are okay. Like there are some people who scroll through Twitter and don't get involved and don't talk and just look back That's and me. forth and read. And, and, and enjoy it and enjoy the, the back and forth of watching other people do it. Some people like to get in the ring and get punched around. I'm the guy who likes to get in the ring and get punched around. You know, I mean, yeah. I, there, there are times I'll sit back and watch and I, you know, if it's somebody I know, like I'll text them on the side. And I think a lot of us in the industry are actually good about that. Like if somebody's jabbing at somebody I know in the industry and I know they're just trolling because they've trolled me before, I'll text them. They do not even bother about that guy. Don't even bother with that person. They're there just to, to rile you up. They do it. They're going to say stupid stuff. Just, just let them go. You know, because yeah. it, it it, it doesn't serve any of us to just put more trash in the trash bins, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, because you're ultimately giving it's them what they point. want. It's messy enough on there. And if I can... Right, yeah. If I can help out you know, somebody in the industry, whether I like them or not, or whether I'm close to them or not, I'm just like, I do leave that guy alone. It's not even worth it. You know, because no, nobody... It, generally, we're all... You know, we may have difference of opinion in this industry about X, Y, and Z, and, and sports, and life, and everything else, but, you know, they're all generally good people just trying to earn a living. So I don't... Uh, uh, I, I don't want to see anybody lose their mind and waste their time over somebody who's never going to bear any fruit, so to speak. Do you ever worry at all about tweeting through stuff with the bosses and different colleagues and stuff like that? No. I mean, listen, I, I think that I know where the line is. I think we all know where mm. the line is. I, I, people who don't know, people who don't know where the line is are willfully ignorant. And I would also say that remember everybody gets treated fairly, but not everybody is equal. There are other people in this industry who could tweet whatever they want and get away with it. If I tweet the same thing, it becomes a problem. And you have to recognize that. You know, like, you have... I'm not Stephen A. Smith, okay? I don't make $6 million a year. I don't draw a company's revenue in seven figures. So he's going to have a ton more leeway than I ever would. And yeah. even, even over at 680, I'm not John Kincaid. I'm not Stake Shapiro. I don't draw revenue for the station the way they do. So they'll have a little bit more leeway than I would. Even go back to my days over at 929 when Mike Bell tweeted his, you know, thing about Jessica Mendoza. I don't need to repeat the words. If you know what I'm talking about, you know, oh, what I'm I know exactly about. what you're you know talking what I'm about. about? Okay. Yes. So, you know, that's one of those things where Mike, for all intents and purposes, got away with it. If I had tweeted that, being that I wasn't the, you know, a number one drive time host, I think I get fired for that. I think it's easy for them to say, see you later. You're gone. So, you know, it, it's everybody gets treated fairly, but not everybody is equal. And you need to understand the difference. So I don't worry about anything that I tweet because I don't really go near that line. You know, I stick to what I know. I stick to my lane. I know what the hot buttons are. I know what the things are that, that could get you in trouble. And either you find a way to word things more eloquently or more carefully or you just don't go there. It's, it's not worth it. You know, it's a, I'm not about to lose my job and, and not be able to support my family over 140 or 280 characters. It's just stupid. Like you have to be a little bit smarter than that. And, and that's why, again, the most outlandish stuff I tweet is all sports related. So it doesn't matter when I get into the political world and I get into the military world, I'm much more careful. That's why I don't really go there for stirring stuff and, and making noise. I go there to either provide information or, access information from the people that I trust to know. So how is, uh, how's Corona affecting what you're doing at Atlanta sports X right now? Yeah, I think it, it affects hosts differently. I was actually having this conversation this morning with uh, a friend of mine here in the market who doesn't work for my station, but 
you know, um, he was saying that, you know, there, there are all these shows doing these brackets right now. Like they're all, everyone's doing a bracket, you know, a bracket yeah. this, a bracket that. And I'm like, you know, he's like, I'm the only show, we're the only show not doing it. And I'm like, what does that mean you want to do it? He's like, no, I just, I, I feel like there's content out there for us to be consuming that we're not. And people are just relying on brackets. I said, well, you know, I'm like, there are people out there who just, you know, default to lazy in our industry. And that's why they got in the radio. Cause it's not work. You know what I'm saying? And he said to me, he said, yeah. well, people who are the best at this treat it like work. And he's right. And, and you know, and I, I feel like I've always treated, I love this career and I love this industry and I love this job. I don't ever for one second, not work every day. Like you can ask anybody who's been around me. He's done a show with me. They know I work my ass off every day. You know, it's like, I take that part of my job very seriously. Like when I'm in the bullpen, get ready for a show. People look at me and the average person be like, what's he, what's he upset about? I'm not upset. I am laser focused on putting a show together every single day. I'm laser focused of literally 180 minutes of everything that goes on with the exception of the commercial breaks. Every second of that show is my responsibility. So I take that seriously and I put a lot of effort into it. And so from that standpoint, you know, there, there is extra prep work and harder prep work and deeper prep work to be done to create content that is valuable to the listeners. That's not repetitive. I mean, you can look, I can always default to talking about what the Falcons did in free agency, but literally that's four or five day old news. If I'm not trying to find a new angle or trying to do something new or trying to uncover a stone that hasn't been turned over yet, then I'm doing my listeners a disservice, you know, and that's the way I look at it every day. And I have the same conversation with people who work on the show with me. And they're like, what about this? And my first question is, okay, what's the benefit to the listener? And then when they stumble on it, go, oh, well, uh, okay, then there's, then we're not doing it because there's no benefit to the listener. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's the, the approach that I go with with the show every single day. And look, I'm not sitting here telling the world that I get it right every day and then I'm perfect. I've never done a perfect show. Uh, I've done perfect segments, but, you know, I would never say that I've nailed every single segment of every show. It just, you know, it's really, really tough. Um, there are some segments that flat out bomb, you know, and I'll, I'll literally, right if the segment goes, we go to break, I'll jump on the board off here and say, boy, that sucked. That was terrible. I hope nobody heard that, you know, because um, you know, you just kind of know when you have, it's like baseball, when you have a good at bat, you know, when you have a bad at bat, you know, and sometimes the results are good and sometimes the results aren't good, but you know, you can have, you can have, you know, uh, a bad at bat and get a good result and you can have a good at bat and get a bad result. I mean, it, it, all that stuff applies. So Corona from the standpoint of the show, it's just about working harder to find extra content. You know, we're not sitting here talking about, you see, you get layups at this point of the year. When there's no football around, you really get layups. You get layups at the NBA playoffs, right? You get layups with baseball just getting underway. Like, there's daily things that change. You could do a segment on what happened in the seventh inning of the Braves game last night and expand on if this continues, you know, this will be a trend that we'll have to look at. You know, it's a little early to get excited, but, you know, this is something we thought going into the season was going to be an issue. And you can you can stretch that out to five to seven minutes of content, and, and it's valuable and it's good but you don't have that right now. So now you have to look even farther. So, you know, uh, a lot of people too are, are, I think trying to use social media to help reach their audience. And again, that's what the brackets are for, right? Like it's, it's a way to involve the listener or, or, you know, in this case, the tweeter, the, 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 the follower of the show, um, to engage them in on content that they may not be hearing. And hopefully they'll, they'll start to tune in on it. Um, but to a certain extent, I think that when you, when it comes to creating content, this problem is around all year long. Um, you just get certain things handed to you. Fortunately, here in Atlanta, we got um, an amazing week of free agency and trades and signings that, that was handed to us. 
That wasn't the case in Jacksonville, right? That wasn't yeah. the case in, in, in Seattle. You know, you're still sitting there hammering whether whether they're bringing Jadavian Clowney back or not. You know, I mean, we got handed a great week's worth of content. And for me as a solo show, I, I probably do guests more consistently than other shows. Maybe I do. I mean, I don't really um, take note of it, but, you know, it's, it's easier for me to grab guests because I, uh, and again, I'm, I'm really the only solo show on the market during the day. You yep. know what I'm saying? So everybody else has got a partner. I don't have anybody to bounce things off of. So it's, it's really me alone. So I, I have the ability like to get more like guests that, right? on. Um, there's benefits to both. I mean, listen, there are, there are times when if you listen to my opening monologue, you know, like that's pure me like that. I, I enjoy more than anything. Those first five to seven minutes where I could just shout to the rooftops, you know, on, on everything that I'm thinking and you're king of the world. Um, I, I think that's great. I think it's fun. I think there's a place for that. Um, but I also, there are days where I just, I, I'd love to have somebody else to bounce something off of and create, you know, uh, a discussion that, that there are two sides to, and not necessarily even a debate, but you know, there's somebody else to bring out something in a, in a conversation that I didn't think about. I always like to work. I've always said, if I ever had a partner, I want them to be clearly smarter than me. And I know that sounds really condescending and sort of like, you know, hey, you're a prick. Um, but <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, I, I really want them to be smarter than me. So they make me smarter. They make me work harder to catch them. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's one of those yeah. things. If you were explaining sports to your kid, you do it totally different than if, you know, you were talking to a professional athlete about the same sport. You know, you try to elevate your game a little bit to make sure that you, you feel like they understand that you know what you're talking about. And so if I'm working with somebody who, who I, you know, respect and know is smarter than me and has a deeper knowledge and a deeper appreciation of things, it's, it's a completely different conversation than it would be with, let's say, a caller. And, and it's not to denigrate a caller, but there's like a hierarchy in our business of information and knowledge of it. You know, at the top of it is, is owners. Then it's, you know, GMs and, and coaches. And then you get to players. And then you get to media members. And then you get to bloggers and fans. You know what I'm saying? It's just because it's just about access. I have more access than fans. People are like, oh, you don't know that. No, I, I do know because I have access. I talk to players. I talk to coaches. I talk to GMs. They don't tell me everything, but they tell me more than they tell you. I can guarantee you that much. You know what I'm saying? They're yeah. not sitting there telling the fans the things that they tell us. So it, it, that, that hierarchy, that level of access dictates your knowledge base. I can get access to information. Fans just can't, you know, and, and fans may not like to hear that and tell me I'm full of it and, and don't believe me. You, you don't have to believe me. I just know what the situation is. I know I've had conversations with GMs and coaches and players that you've never had. So to that aspect, um, when you talk to people smarter than you, you gain information and knowledge you don't have. And so that's, if I was ever going to have a partner, that's, I, I would be somebody I know could push me to be smarter and better every single day. You would have to adjust a lot at this point. Cause you've been doing this for years. I would imagine that would be a very, I, I mean, I guess we would all adapt, but I, I don't know. I feel like that would be something that would be very, very difficult. Um, I, I couldn't do it. Not, I, I mean, will tell you that right now. I couldn't do it. Well, that's, it's definitely harder to go from a two-man show to a one-man show. It's easy to go from one to two, especially really? if you have somebody you have chemistry with. Yeah. I, I don't I, know. I, I feel I, like Cowherd would implode, like, immediately. There's no way you could give someone Cowherd well, at this point. But, okay, so put it this way. That's not necessarily – I mean, first of all, if you watch him with guests and his rapport, like, if you put Cowherd in the room with Joel Collette or somebody, it's so conversational – it's, it's good. so relaxed, you know, and, and, right. He does it with Nick, Nick Wright. He does it with Doug Gottlieb, you know, Jason McIntyre, all 
for the guys that, that sit on that couch and talk to him, it is a it is a pure relaxed conversation. So it's not that he's not capable of not having it. What what that sounds like over the course of three hours may be completely different. Yes. But in a ten or twelve minute span, he sits down with those guys. It you can tell he gets along with people and people like him and they're comfortable and there's a certain amount of uh, relatability that he has when he's not sitting there by himself, you know, shouting at the rain. Uh, I I for me I just feel like. And I would tell you this, and, and I say this plainly, and I have no problem saying it to anybody in the market. There are a handful of hosts who can never do a solo show in this market. There are a handful of hosts on air right now at every station, all three of them, X, 680, and, and 92.9, who could never survive a solo show. They, they would sink. It would be the Titanic. Um, and, and that's okay. That doesn't mean that they're bad radio guys. It doesn't mean that they're, they're, they're bad, bad at their job. It just means they're not meant to sit there and be a, a true one. Because a true one in our business can carry a show by themselves for hours at a time. That's what number ones can do. Um, and some number ones have a better skill set with other people, setting guys up and everything else. And um, Look, it, 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 this isn't a, a shot. Most professional athletes will never be number ones, right? Because they're meant to be number twos. You're supposed to ask them questions. They're supposed to answer it. Theoretically, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of just the way it is. Um, so from that standpoint, I think it's one of those things where – it's about comfort. It's about, you know, repetition. Um, there are, there are number one, number professional athletes in our industry who have become number ones because they've worked at it and they, they take the approach of, Hey, I got better as a professional athlete by doing X, Y, and Z. I can get better as a radio host doing X, Y, and Z. And they approach it that way and it works for them. So from that standpoint, um, it's, it, it's really up to the individual, but I can tell you that everybody who does a two man show in this market is good at doing a two man show. Um, I just know that there are certain people who can't do a one, uh, who can't do a solo show for me. If I had the right person, I would love to work with a partner every day. If I had the right person sitting across from me, somebody who I have great chemistry with, and we think the same, and we laugh at the same jokes and, you know, we make the same jokes kind of deal and we find the same sort of stuff entertaining, then it's great. But that chemistry isn't always easy to find. I think on a given day, I could do a show with anybody. It doesn't matter because I'm only there for two, three hours, four hours, whatever it may be, um, and, and get through anything. But what that sounds like after a month, three months, six months, probably sounds completely different. But when you're with somebody that you have great chemistry with, after one month, three months, six months, everything sounds that much better because the chemistry is there. So, and, and I think a flaw of our industry and program directors, and don't get me started on those guys, but. <laughs> they try to put square pegs in round holes and they put people together. Like they're just not mm. fits. They just, they're, they're two people who do, don't get along, but you try to take a known commodity as a one and a known commodity as a two and put them together and go, okay, people are going to like this. But in reality, over the course of time, it bears itself out that these two don't get along. They don't like each other. They don't prep the same way. They don't think, think about, think about the same things. They're not interested in the same things. And the show shows it easily. Yeah. I um, there's stuff I could say there that I'm just not because I don't want to get you in trouble either. I uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hold. On on that. I mean, I mean, listen, I, ask whatever you want. If I'm not going to answer, it, I'm not going to answer it. I mean, I, it, I don't. I'm not bashful about anything I have to say. I'm not. I mean, you know, I don't need to name names. Mm -hmm. Um, if that's what you're asking, uh, yes. you know. But if you have a question, I'll I'll answer it. Who do I? Are you asking who do I think could do a solo show and who couldn't? Uh, I mean, not even just that, but also just, I, it was more so about the, the groups that put are put together that may not necessarily like each other off air. 
that uh, are in this market um, that uh, some people well, who listen but, to this podcast are very familiar with. I'll, I'll say that. Well, I would tell you this much. I, I think you and your listeners all know who those people are. It's yes. obvious. It's obvious. And it's Which is your broader like, point is that everybody knows. It's right. obvious it's not without like a saying it anymore at this point. It's not even like a deceiver at this point. It's just not. You yeah. know, I mean, you know who you know who, who gets along and who doesn't. You know who likes each other and who doesn't. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I don't need to say it, but you know, yeah. it is what it is. Exactly. We all know. Um, you also do play by play for the swarm before everything got canceled. Uh, yeah. How does and, like and, did you and already know Blaze it? before they left town? By the way. Uh, <laughs> Um, it's, it's a running joke here, Chase. I have gotten two franchises moved out of uh, kicked out of Atlanta. The Atlanta okay. Legends, I did play by play for them. They their league folded, and the Atlanta mm-hmm. Blaze, who uh, were here for five years and then left for Philadelphia. So uh, I, I may be hurting my own reputation as far as doing play by play because uh, every team I seem to do play by play by play for leaves Atlanta. So if we get an XFL team, are you doing that too? No, I would love to do it. I would love to do it. The XFL was good. I mean, Play-by-play is um, one. It's one of those things in our industry that clearly, again, not everybody can do. Two, it is a completely different skill than being a host. A completely different skill. I mean, it's like being a chef and a plumber. The two are nowhere near related. Um, so, from that standpoint, you know, play-by-play has always been a passion of mine. I've been very fortunate to do it for a really long time for a variety of different sports. Um, I wish there were more play-by-play opportunities available. I'd love to take advantage of them. I'd love to uh, have more of them. And, you know, with the cancellation or at least the postponement of the cross season, it kind of, uh, you know, it sucked, you know, because I enjoyed doing those games. Yeah, I um, I, I don't think I could do it. Like, that kind of stuff. Play-by-play solo shows, it's just not not my thing. I feel like I know my, my strengths and I know my weaknesses. And, like, this podcast and my writing, like, that I'm good with. But, like, play-by-play, isn't, isn't that, that- I would... I don't know. I don't think I can handle it. The live stuff like that. I don't like live. But that's part of the key stuff. to being successful in our industry, right? Like knowing what you're good at and knowing what you're not and playing to your strengths. That, that's smart by your part. You know, I mean, it, it's great that people want to expand and learn to try to do more, but you have to, you have to, one, you have to know the skill set, and two, you have to want to do it. You know, I mean, if someone said, hey, Chase Zeno is going to be out, can you call a cross game? And you say yes, and you bomb. You know, they're pretty much because your chance of being a play-by-play guy without taking a couple of major steps back to doing, you know, Houston County football or something like that. Right. You know what I'm wow, shots so, fired at Houston County. No love no, for Jake Fromm. Popped it to my head. It's nothing. Like, it's probably great football. I don't. I don't watch a lot of high school football, so I, I, it, it's not. Uh, that please, uh, folks of Houston County, don't get on my Twitter. Yeah, and just, I have a big, big base in Houston County. Like the Houston mm-hmm. County listeners um, are the backbone of the Chase Thomas podcast. Um, uh, that's outstanding. I should be following me soon. Yeah. Um, we have to talk about some Atlanta sports because there's stuff on here I that I want to ask you about. Um, and this is like kind of different when you think about because a lot of people do the poll. Like I saw, I forgot it was a couple weeks ago, but I saw like which Atlanta sports team is most likely to win uh, a championship in the next two years. And um, was this the one that you commented on about Atlanta United and got into a little spat? I feel like I saw you get in an Atlanta United oh, spat of like the four. Okay, I, I think no, this was, that was it. It wasn't that one. It wasn't that one. It, it was. Uh, I forget how it morphed. Uh huh. Um, but it was it was me. I, I, no, what I asked was, 
which of the um god what did it go with of the four major sport of the major sports right um mm-hmm. i think it was which one is likely to return to uh format in its original intended form mm-hmm. you know because i was asking about the four the four major sports the four yeah revenue generating highest revenue generating sports in America mm. and people. And I said, no, I'm not including, and I even said it, no, I'm not including soccer, lacrosse and, you know, WNBA. Right. I was like, that's personal. I'm just curious, you know, about these, these specific sports. And so then I didn't know this at the time. I know that now, but soccer bro lives on the internet. I didn't know that that's where the biggest base of soccer fans are. They live all over the internet. Um, and that's the way you reach them all. Especially in United. Like there's yeah. a very large uh, contingent online. When you go went down that road, I was like, "Oh, I don't think he knows what he's doing." All right, and this so is a, here's, yeah. here's so here's how, here's how this spiraled. I'm glad you asked about this. Here's how this this unspiraled. Okay, and so you know, somebody said, well, "Why aren't you including soccer?" And I'm actually doing this like in the breaks in between my shows, so I'm not like 100 percent focused. I'm just trying to move everything along, and I said. He said, well, why are you including that? I said, soccer's not a major sport in America. He says, well, in Atlanta it is. I go, soccer's not a major sport in Atlanta. Because there are the three major revenue-generating sports in Atlanta are baseball, football, and the NBA. And so that's where everybody took soccer's not a major, major sport in Atlanta, and it ran away. I never was saying that there are, there isn't, soccer isn't important here or that soccer or Atlanta United aren't huge. Wasn't saying any of that, but again, I was quickly responding and moving along and not really thinking 100% about what I wanted to communicate, and that's on me. And then it just blew up. And I mean, I was getting soccer bro was after me for like two straight days, yeah, for like two straight days. And so, and people people don't know this because again, you know, uh, Atlanta Atlanta Sports Texas doesn't have a, a massive signal, and I don't know how many online listeners we have, but you know, when Atlanta United is making their championship run. I had the guys from Dirty South Soccer, the Mouse of the South podcast, on my show every single week talking soccer. So I don't have a problem with it. It's not like I hate soccer. I think it's stupid or anything like that. You know, I mean, I, I was a big Atlanta United supporter and talked about them all the time. And so then I had to call them and I'm like, you know, because Sam Franco and Eric Quintano, the guys who do Mouse of the South podcast, Dirty South Soccer. And, uh, you know, I was texting with them and talking with them and they're like, they understood, like, you know, we know you didn't mean it the way it came across. And, you know, I'm like, can you please get, I was like, can you please get these guys off my back? All right. Can you, can you tell the soccer world that I, I, I you know, to put the pitchforks and, and yeah. torches down. Um, and so then, and Sam came on the show the next day and we talked it all out. And, um, you know, Sam sort of came to my defense a lot on Twitter. I was like, guys, you know, Zeno does not hate Atlanta United. He doesn't hate soccer. He's a big supporter. You know, it, it, it's not what he meant. And, it just it, soccer bro lives on the internet, and I I know not to stoke the things I won't poke the bear on because <laughs> what is your feed and your timeline for the three days straight? Nobody does. Um, but it, it's yeah. great that Atlanta United has that following. But you know, again, I, I definitely poked the wrong cage uh, in, in saying that. And I, I I'll, I'll again make my official apology to Atlanta United and MLS soccer fans uh, in Atlanta and beyond that. Uh, what I should have said was the four major revenue generating sports in America. And then yeah. even when I said that, someone's like, well, yeah, that's generates 900 or $800 million last year. And I'm like, yeah, even the NHL 
generates revenue in the billions. So it's the well, NHL. And and like the MLS is coming. Like their new television deal comes up. I think it's like 2021, 2022. It's either next year or the year after next. And once they get the I will new television this. deal, like MLS is going to pass MLB in the next 10 years. Bradley wrote about this. He's not 100%, but he wrote about this in the ADC a couple weeks ago. And I, I mean, I think there's a stronger Atlanta United contingent than the Braves in this state. I, especially downtown, like where I live and everything else, just what I'm around, I think there's a much larger appetite for Atlanta United than there is for the Braves. And it also helps that games only happen like once a week. It's kind of like that football feel with Atlanta United because people can tailgate, people can build their entire week around it. Um, baseball, you're doing six games a week, five games a week, whatever it is. So games just don't mean as much. But I mean, the attendance is close, and I think it's. I would be very surprised if Atlanta United well, is not a bigger thing. Well, when you say the attendance is close, what do you mean? Well, I mean like that if you look at the amount of people that are filling up Brave stadiums and stuff like that versus how Atlanta United is doing in the the, the dome, it's just you're like, okay, I could see how this okay, works. Well, like, they're filling on up. a per game basis of the aggregate because the Braves drew over two million people last year. Right. See, here's, here's, per, yeah, here's, per game. Here's, here's the rub of this thing. Okay. When you talk about baseball versus soccer, one, the age demographic is a completely opposite end of the spectrum. Yes. You know, baseball is, is 45 and older, and soccer is, is 24 and younger. So you're, you're missing, you know, a major, the biggest bulk of the demographic is in between, right? That's, that's at least in our sports media industry, 2554 is where our sweet spot is, so to speak. Um, and yes, there is a massive following for Atlanta United. I would contend with anybody that soccer from a financial standpoint, will not, it may pass the NHL, but will not pass the other three until you figure out a way to put it on primetime television and run commercial breaks with it. And I think that's going to happen. This next television deal, everything you read about it is going to be good. If it does, and I've said this for years, I don't understand why the MLS just doesn't change the game in America a little bit. It's called get rid of stoppage time, blow a damn whistle, take a commercial break. It's really not that catastrophic take a two minute break and get back to play. I mean, it, you know, it's, it, it's not the end of the world um, for them to do it. I don't understand why they refuse to change. Right. I mean, it, it's the same thing. Olympic hockey is played different than American hockey. Uh, so is, you know, uh, uh, overseas hockey, the sport, there are some, you know, tweaks and differences in it. Um, and to that end, until they're able to put it on primetime TV, their TV deal is never going to match it because the inventory for commercial spots isn't there and less people watch TV on weekends. That is a fact. You can't escape that. And you're never going to get, you know, 2.1 million people to tune into a show on a Saturday afternoon at four o'clock. It's just not going to happen. You might get a market, but nationally, no one is going to watch a show. And until you can get a national TV deal, I still think soccer is going to lag behind. Again, it may pass the NHL. Why? Because the NHL is dealing with its own set of problems. But even they have a national TV deal. So that should, you know, somebody can tell me I'm misinformed on that and I'm wrong. I just don't see them passing baseball, football, or even getting in. They would never get in the room of the NFL. But, you know, catching baseball, I, the baseball TV deals are in the high hundreds of millions, if not close to a billion nowadays. Soccer's not getting a TV deal that's even nine figures yet, I don't think. I mean, I don't we'll even know. See. If the number's going to be high. Like, there, they are going to cash in. I think you're going to be blown away. Is it $100 million yet for soccer? Is it $100 million a TV deal? 
It's a good question. I don't think it's that high. Somebody, somebody correct me. I, I, again, I don't want to speak out of turn because soccer bro come and yell at me after they listen to this. But, you know, if it is, I stand corrected. But The current rights package think, with ESPN and Fox is valued at $600 million for eight years. And Univision, $120 million, generates roughly $90 million per season okay. for MLS and runs through 2022. See, that's what it no, is. No, it's no, like no, the, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, but I, I, okay, I should, I, I should have clarified. I meant $100 million like annually. Because yeah, that's so they're the right around that. They're, they're close. They're under it, yeah. But, I mean, that's $600 million for eight years. So they're, they're in the $80 million range. Um, Baseballs are $100 million annually. You know, like these are annual, that's what they're getting annually. So, again, I don't necessarily disagree. I just think once MLS goes to primetime TV and you can get it on a Tuesday night or a Thursday night and get people to watch it, especially as you go through the summer when a lot of sitcom programming and everything else is off of, you know, regular network television and that inventory is there, um, that's when I think you'll see the huge. Because I, again, if you're asking me on a Tuesday night, would I put on a Lady United? Yeah. If you're asking me on a Saturday afternoon at four o'clock, no, I got better things to do. I'd rather go to the game. You know what I'm saying? I like. I'd, I'd rather it's also, go to that's the game. That's a big. And watch that's it. a good point too. It soccer games are ten times more fun to go to than baseball games. They just are. Baseball yeah. is by far the worst game to go to of any of the major sports. It's not even close. How much worse well, it is you, than everything else? You're talking to the wrong guy with that. I'm an old baseball guy. I could watch. Are you? Baseball would you really rather go to a baseball game than a hockey game? Like, would you rather be there in person for Atlanta United or a Braves game? Like, it's Atlanta United. It's not even a me, question. Me, Braves. I'm a baseball Are guy. You I've always been a baseball guy. I'll always be a baseball guy. I'd rather go to a baseball game than a football game or a basketball game. Oh, God. I, 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 listen, it's Zeno, the first thing in this world. It's the first thing in this world I ever loved was the game of baseball, and I'll always love it. Um, it's, you have kids, I right? still play. Yeah, I still play it. Um, you know, I, I just, I love and adore the game. I understand it's not everybody's cup of tea, but it's my cup of tea. And so if you ask me to go sit at a baseball game, I'll be thoroughly entertained for nine innings. Are it, your kids what, though? My kids, well, they're not old enough. They're only four. They're, I, I was, believe it or not, okay. I was supposed to take it to their first Yankee spring training game when I went down to Florida, but my trip got canceled and the yeah. game got canceled and everything. Oh, that's so a bummer. They, yeah, it was, I was, I mean, I bought them hats and, and I had them all ready to go to Legends Field. And I mean, you know, I'm from New York, so, you know, I don't, I don't mean to. So you're a fan, Yankees fan. No Atlanta I'm all, yeah. here. No, no. I mean, it, those, those <laughs> kids are, they even said to me, I said, Daddy, is Yankees, they're still going to be on TV. And I said, hopefully soon. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's, uh, that, that was a bummer for me. I definitely wanted to take, I, as a matter of fact, all these years, I've never been to Yankee spring training. So I was excited to go and take them, but nonetheless, it happened. But yeah, baseball is, it's just me, man. I mean, you know, some people like uh, like soccer. Some people like knitting. Some people like croquet. I, I love baseball, man. I mean, it's just it's always I like always baseball. Be I just, I mean, I like all the major sports. But if I had to rank, like, what I would prefer to go into in person, like baseball's at the bottom of the list, and it's not even close for me. Like, it's really well, at the not bottom. Close. At the bottom yeah. of the list for me is NFL because I have no desire to be in a stadium in NFL. Well, fans. I think if it's you're hammered. at a good spot in the NFL, it's it's great. If you are not in a good spot. I would go club level, yes. I would go sit in the suite and watch the game, yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Or if I went to the highfalutin seats. Um, But at that point in time, the only time I go there is if somebody hands me those tickets or somebody gets them for me because I'm not about to uh, pay the exorbitant prices to go do it on my own. So it's a very specific case where I'll go to a football game and watch it. And trust me, I actually like watching a football game at the stadium and getting sort of that all-22 view. Um, and as somebody who's, you know, like a nerd for that sort of thing, I love watching the play 
you know, uh, develop. I always say like the average football fan, here's where, here's where the average football fan becomes stupid. They just follow the ball. That's it. The last thing I'm looking at is the ball. When I watch the game on TV, even though you only get a small report, the last, I, before the ball is snapped, all I'm looking at is where the defense is lined up and what everybody's going to do and where the holes, what, what kind of coverage they're in. I mean, you know, I try to treat it. Um, and I don't have the greatest base of knowledge for this, but I try to treat it like I'm on the field and I'm trying to read the defense to figure out what's going on. You know, or if the team I'm rooting for, like if the Falcons are playing, if they're on defense, I'm looking at the offense and the way they're lined up and who's going to do what. And I'm watching the routes go. The last thing I do is follow the ball. So when you go to a game, you can see that whole thing unfold. I need like another set of eyes because I want to look at four different things at the same time. Because you get the whole entire field, which I think is really cool. Uh, You're not going to sell me. You're not going to sell me on this, but I, <laughs> I appreciate the effort, Zeno. I appreciate the effort. Um, if you had to, yeah. Um, if you had to forecast the major three, we're going to leave Atlanta United out of this for a second. Sure. Um, the just the major three sports teams in Atlanta, like how they're going to do over the next couple of years. Would you? How would you rate them in terms of most likely to be viable for a for a championship? I mean, you have to put the Braves at the top because they're the closest um, right now as far as being See, a playoff team. Here's the run for the Braves. Too. I have Braves. I too. think they're a playoff team. I don't think they're a World Series team. Yeah. I, oh, I think you do? They're a major so you put playoff the, team. Put, well, uh, the Braves won't be a World Series team until they get that big hammer. Like, they need that hammer. They, they, they need an Arenado. They need, and it's not just that guy, they need somebody to push them over the top. Really, it could even be a a frontline ace starter. That, but they need that one guy, and the problem is they're never going to pay for that one guy. I mean, I love Alex Anthopoulos. The, the job that dude has done is unreal. I mean, he's operating with a hand tied behind his back and his shoelaces tied together, and uh, he does an absolutely phenomenal job at carrying the team forward and putting a playoff caliber team on the field. If they're going to win a World Series constructed the way they are, they're going to need some luck. They're just going to have to get the right matchup and the right team, um, and they're going to need a couple of bounces to go their way to get all the way there. Uh, I, I, without that one guy to push them on, and look to a certain extent, you know what? The Yankees are missing that one guy for a couple of years. That's why they went out and spent fifty million dollars on Garrett Cole, you know, because he's supposed to be the guy that pushes them over the top. Um, and to that end, you know, uh, you know, obviously we won't know how it works out for a while, but I think that's where the Braves are. I, I mean, if, do you have the Falcons at one or the Hawks at one? Oh, the Falcons. Hawks are going like. Oh, I don't get well, me started on the Hawks. Yeah, the Hawks stuff. I, I could yeah. The turnaround in the NFL is easier and quicker, right? Yes. And and you, you can you can make it happen. Now, uh I, I I would I would have put the Hawks ahead of the Falcons prior to this free agency period. Um just because I felt like the Hawks had better pieces going into next season. But you know, after what Thomas Mitroff did and I, I gave him a public apology on my show, he 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 deserved it because I thought I didn't think they were ever going to be able to do what they did this offseason. It was pretty, pretty slick by Dimitrov the way he pulled this whole thing off. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like the spot that they're in. Um, I still have massive concerns about their cutter. I, I, I do not think he's a winner as an OC. I do not think he's a winner as a play caller. And unless Quinn, you know, grabs him by the short hairs and, and puts a little bit more control on what he wants done, I, I think they're always going to be coming up a little bit short, but I feel a lot better about the chances of them being a playoff team now, especially in an NFC South that's sort of flipped upside down. Now, 
I kind of wish that the, for the Falcons sake, you wish that the Buccaneers didn't get Tom Brady, but in the same respect, I'm excited that I get to watch him twice a year play, <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's, uh, it should be interesting. And NFC, NFC South may be one of the more competitive divisions out there when it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, the NFC South is just going to be a bloodbath this year. Um, we'll have to see. I think the Panthers won't be as bad as people think. They still have a lot of talent outside. I think their offense will be good. I think their defense yes. is going to be future. Um, which is fine, but that's still enough to steal some wins. And that, that, may, like that. that may be the same case for the Falcons, to be honest with you. Their defense may still stink. Their defense is going to take two or three years to fix. It, it just is. It's not, it's, not, it's not a quick turnaround. You need pieces. They don't have them. Um. It just well they don't yeah. have a safety they don't have a strong safety right or they just I, I don't know Keanu Neal like sure if you want to pencil him in and Ricardo Allen and a lot of question marks I mean Isaiah Oliver showed some stuff last year I there I is know. only one guy on the defense you should have any faith in right now Deion Jones negative or Grady Jarrett I this Deion disappeared last year think about this okay think about this Deion's first year. 2016, when he came to the league, he had a really good year. Okay. Dion's second year, when he really took a leap onto the scene. Do you remember what happened that offseason that was so critical? They I signed on Terry Poe. They okay. signed on Terry Poe. So you had so you had Poe and Grady to prevent guys from getting to the second level. So Dion was able to get all over the field and make plays. Right? Last year, all right, Dion uh was a ghost because guys were getting to the second level and he just wasn't making plays. Now he came on a little bit at the end, you know, of course he got hurt the next year. And so he wasn't really there. I mean, the year after 2017, he got hurt, but last year, I just feel like he disappeared a lot. I feel like he didn't call his name enough um, because there wasn't anybody to prevent a guy from getting to the second level to get on him. So I don't know what Deion Jones is. And Oh, by the way, you know, last year also, he didn't have Keanu Neal behind him, which he had in 2016 when Keanu Neal had his best year. So he had protection from behind and he had protection from in front. He was surrounded by talent on both ends. He had, you know, pro bowl caliber players on both ends of him. I need to see what he is when, you know, he's out there on an Island by himself to see if he's really as good as advertised. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I am. I'm not as concerned with the defense defense. in when you look at just different football outsiders and defensive DVOA in over a year, year over year um the vikings had this great defense a couple years ago and then it just tailed off this past year and then like offensive line play is so weird like scott like tom cable and the raiders had a top 10 offensive line this year and that was really weird like tom cable hasn't had a good offensive line in forever and then for whatever reason the raiders with their group and richie incognito and all those guys like they were great like that kind of stuff is very hard to figure out offensive line play defensive line play like whether or not you're gonna have a pass rush this year all that kind of stuff whether or not um a good secondary matters more than a good pass rush because the patriots went the other way with stuff on gilmore and jc jackson they built around their secondary and gave up on the pass rush stuff and that just changes. But what doesn't change, it seems like, is if you have an elite quarterback and if you have an elite offensive skill set around them, they're going to be good year over year. Like, good offenses are traditionally good every year. The Chiefs will have a top 10 offense in DVOA as long as Pat Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey are on that roster. Like, that is going to be a thing. 
Will their defense get as many big-time stops year over year? Will they get the kind of stuff from Clark and everybody else and Tyron Matthew and all those guys? Probably not. Like, you really have no idea. That's why when Falcons fans freak out about the defense, I'm not really there because it's just so hard to predict, and I don't think that's really going to be what saves them. What saves them is if Julio Jones gets 12 targets in an NFC wildcard game for Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan doesn't get pressured on 30% of his dropbacks, and they can go on a little bit of a run. Like, they have to, A, win 13... 12 games because if you look at who actually makes the super bowl the last couple years i mean i think it's like last five plus you're either number one or number two seed so we'll know pretty early on what they really are but the lacan treadwell stuff doesn't matter people are reacting to that like none of that really matters it's whether or not todd Gurley has anything less so he can get five catches out of the backfield can he be counted on to get targets out of that can Hayden Hurst stay healthy can he get 12 targets a game can Julio Jones get 17 in a playoff game can Calvin Ridley get 10 like that's it like if you look at how teams are playing now it's all matchups it's all getting enough offensive line play to survive in the playoffs against a good pass rush and then you know being a number one or number two seed I don't really care about well, the other stuff to, to your point that all points back to Dirk Cutter a yep. thousand percent it's all it's all on him I mean they are they are resting their entire season on a guy who's never coordinated a team past 500. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think but the offenses have been top 10 and offensive DVOA. Like he can get that offense where it needs to be. Yeah, because to be they're trailing. Team. So they throw the, they throw the hell out of the ball and, and the numbers look great. I mean, that was his MO in Tampa, right? I mean, his offense was always good in Tampa statistically because, well, you know, they, they were down 20 to seven in the third quarter and had to throw nonstop for a half. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm not a, just, I'm not a believer in, in Dirk Cutter. Never have been, never will be. It would take a lot to convince me um, that, that he's the guy. And, and to what, exactly what you said, like their plan is to win every game 33 to 30. And I'm okay with that. I don't have, I don't, you know, be who you are. I mean, you can win a Super Bowl like that. The Chiefs just sure. did that. Sure. I mean, the, the, the defense needs to make one or two plays a game. To yep. keep the other team out of the end zone, and that should theoretically be enough. But you can't go out there and have a 17 point game if you're this offense. That's that's just yeah, unacceptable. Yeah. That, that is a scream from the rooftops and, and show up to the press conference with pitchforks and torches and yell at them because this is completely unacceptable. You know, I mean, it's just it, that should not happen in any given game. You want to get beat? It's because you made offensive mistakes, not because you're you were in unable to figure out a way to score more than 17 points. Right. I mean, that's just, you know, uh, I don't know. They're putting a lot on a guy that I don't have a whole ton of faith in. I love the personnel. Absolutely. Love the personnel on offense. I just, the play caller could be everything. I like the personnel. I don't love it. I'm still worried about the offensive line. I'm still worried about the health for a lot of guys. I, Alex Mack, um, fell off last year. We'll have to see if that's uh, an age related thing or that's just, I, I don't know. I'm a little concerned. Jake Matthews is well, still great. But and I, like, I made yeah. the same point that Chris Morgan may be the problem. Mm. Your line coach and, and, you know, Quinn is very loyal, loyal to a fault. And I love him. I do. I, I think he's, I think he's a, a very good coach. I think he's a great guy. I've gotten a chance to know him. I think he's a wonderful man. Um, but sometimes loyalty could be a problem. And, you know, when you talk to other GMs, you know, I, I, I had a conversation with Ernie Corsi, the Giants GM. And, uh, he started names out there, but he said something that was really important. When the Giants went on their Super Bowl runs, you know, they put their offensive line together with undrafted free agents, fifth rounders. The highest draft pick, I think, was a second rounder in Chris Snee. And he said the biggest thing is 
we got the right guy to coach all those guys up and make them effective. And I thought to myself, well, Dirk Cutter has at least, or Chris Morgan rather, has at least four first round, first round draft picks, if not five, depending on who starts at left guard, on his offensive line. Like, that's not a talent issue. That's a coaching issue. And if those guys don't know how to block, it's because you didn't coach them on how to block, or you don't have a good enough scheme to accentuate their talents, or you're not doing the right things to make them successful. And so if that's the case, maybe it's time to change the old line coach and go down that road and find a coach. Because I, and I, said, I heard reports last year that Dirk and Chris Morgan are not on the same page, period. They're not. Morgan wants to do one thing, and Dirk is calling another thing. And that's also a major problem. Because if the offensive line doesn't know how to block in a certain scheme and the players aren't good for the scheme, what do you keep calling those plays for? You're only going to get somebody hurt or killed. Well, he did get hurt. Like, that was the other thing is Matt Ryan, he missed a game. Like, the streak was over. Matt Ryan got hurt. He got banged up a bunch. He got hit a yeah, bunch last year. And that's, like, the other thing where I'm still waiting on uh, them to address that is the backup quarterback thing. Like, not having a stable – like, if you're going to do the dirt cutter offense – not having an, not a Nick Foles type guy. That's why like Jameis wouldn't be a problem if he like, depending on what the offers are around him, but like it cannot be Kurt Binkert or Matt Schaub. Like the Matt Schaub stuff's offensive um, because if Matt Ryan goes down, we know the season's over, but that should not be how it is. Um, yes. Uh, well, I've right said now. that. I've said that repeatedly. Who gives a rip where your backup is? If Matt Ryan gets hurt, the season is. No, I don't think that's the case. Over. I don't think you should operate like that. You should have a better backup. Oh, you, I should, do. you should have somebody who can step in. Like that's the whole point. I would I would I wouldn't spend more than five hundred thousand on my backup in the NFL ever. Really? Ever. Never. I think it's a mismanagement of your salary cap. I could find better ways to spend four or five million. I don't know. I mean, it's man. A, if, if if my starter gets hurt, my season's done. What do I want? A, a guy who can win three or four games, right? Is that all you're looking for? My coach my coach should my coaching staff should be able to devise a game plan to get any quarterback. And is look, I'm not taking a shot at Teddy Bridgewater here. But don't think for one second that the fact they went 5-0 and was all Sean Payton. Sean Payton has been carrying Drew Brees for years. Nobody wants to say this. And people think, I'm, and unless you're talking to a Saints fan, they lose their minds over this. Sean Payton had made Drew Brees what he was. Absolutely made him what he was. Go look at his numbers in San Diego. And look when they ballooned up into a whole different stratosphere under Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. Sean Payton made Kerry Collins a bleeping Super Bowl quarterback. Stop it. Like, we, we forget sometimes how important the coach is. And so from that standpoint, you know, Mike, I feel like my coaching staff should be able to survive an average quarterback for three games. If, if, if he can't, it's because my defense also can't carry the load. And if my defense can't carry the load, then I don't have a complete enough team to win the Super Bowl anyway. So, yes, I put all my eggs in one basket for a quarterback. Absolutely. I have I have no reason to do anything otherwise. None. I would always that's just my philosophy thing. on it. Yeah, I would do it different. I would always have someone who I think I could still like. My season's not over if my quarterback goes down, especially an older quarterback. Maybe it's different when he's twenty four and he's on the rookie contract and whatever. But like Matt Ryan is now at the age with this offensive line and this system where it's like there's no guarantees playing sixteen games next year. Like it's we're at that point where who knows? Every year it's going to be a who knows, and he's going to take more and more hits. I don't know. I think them like, would you really be upset if they drafted a quarterback in like the third or fourth round? Uh, no, I wouldn't because I think at some point in time, you have to start drafting for the future. You have to start figuring out what the next step is because Matt Ryan probably has two years left of, of high level play before it all starts to go in a different direction. That's just what happens with quarterbacks. I mean, it is what it is. So you have to have a guy, right? Belichick for years with Brady 
drafted quarterbacks. And in years, they got successively higher in the draft until we hit Garoppolo in the second. You know, it was it was Matt Castle, and it was Ryan Mallett, and it was Kevin o- O'Connell, and it was, you know, Jacoby Brissett, and then it was uh, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, like, I mean, he, he progressively started drafting, don't forget Brian Hoyer, um, progressively started drafting more and more quarterbacks while Brady was there, higher and higher up, because he knew he was betting that Brady was going to fall off eventually. And he was right. I mean, it, it, he was right to do it. Brady never fell off to his credit, but Belichick realized very quickly, listen, if I don't have the next guy coming in, we're screwed. So, yeah. He always had a backup, though. Uh, but that speaks to my point: is like he always. was always prepared for life without Brady if he got hurt. Yeah, but they but, okay. But drafting a seventh rounder is a guy who makes five hundred thousand dollars. Drafting a fifth rounder is a guy who makes five hundred thousand dollars. I'm not paying four and a half million for my backup. That's just I think it's just a waste of money. It's a complete waste of money. You're not going to say I'm fine this. with Kurt Banker. I will ride with this yeah, take I, for for a while. I'll ride with it. That's fine. I, I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just saying it's the way. Again, I wouldn't also sign a receiver to a $20 million contract. Yeah. It's mismanagement in the salary cap. If you have the right quarterback, guys catch balls. Receiver, I understand. I mean, Julio, Julio may be the exception. Julio Nuke may be like the exceptions to that. But as you're seeing with Odell Beckham Jr., guess what? When you have the right quarterback and the right offensive system, the guy's useless. It's completely useless. So Odell Beckham Jr., as great of a talent that he is, then catch footballs in a bad offense. Guess who catches footballs in bad offense? Uh, 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 you know, in good offense. Who's the kid from uh, Tennessee? The big kid, Brown. Is it AJ? AJ Brown? AJ, AJ Brown. Yeah. Why am I going to blame AJ Brown? Where the hell is he from? Oh, I don't know. Ryan Tannehill. All of a sudden, became a better quarterback than, than Marcus Mariota. Oh, all of a sudden, we catch balls. I mean, <laughs> it's the guy throwing the ball is more important than the guy catching it. It's always been that way. It'll always be that way. So I don't need to spend $20 million on a wide receiver. I need to make sure my quarterback has time to throw and he'll find the, find the old man. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Um, last thing, and then we'll go. Um, Falcons fans, when you see Offset and members of Migos pitch Cam Newton to the Falcons, you don't have to um, be ridiculous and gross and comment like he can play quarterback or running back for us offensive line or wide receiver the cam newton can come to atlanta if he plays another position stuff drives me insane i don't know why i let i let myself see that but i'll scroll through and like the the insecurity about matt ryan being our quarterback and not signing cam newton and all that kind of stuff like what's happened to cam newton this this summer i mean the spring this offseason whatever like it's just wrong all of it's wrong how he's been characterized is wrong like it's all gross he's gotten a raw deal everything is bad about it i I just feel bad. I mean, as an Auburn guy, I already felt bad, but like this is just wrong. And then I see that stuff from Falcons fans that drive me nuts because it's like, no, Cam as a backup, great. Hell yeah. Sign me up. But like, he's not a quarterback stuff still happening at this point in time with black quarterbacks and stuff like that. I just, I hate it and I see it and Falcons fans have got to stop. Like, I hate seeing that. All right. There is, and Cam's one pivotal mistake was something he couldn't control. But every athlete, if you talk to their agents and you talk to them, they know this. The absolute worst time in your career to ever get hurt isn't in a contract year. It's in the year before the contract year. And that's what happened to Cam Newton, right? Contract years are fine because guess what? Either you play or 
you don't like either you, you people let you in the final year of your deal play it out because it's the final year of your deal and it's up to you ultimately to decide what your what your market is going to be next but if you're in the second to last year they're not going to cut you at that point in time if you have value and if you don't play when you go into your contract year they can go well look we haven't had him last year and we survived anyway let's get rid of him and save the money so they know what life is like without you you follow what i'm saying and and they can treat that last year of the deal as like well we just survived the whole year without him and went to, I mean, you know, look what we were. And so Cam and getting hurt in the, in the second to last year, plus the way his contract was structured was the double whammy that it was easy to get rid of him. I agree. He's got a raw deal. That's a starter in this league. Anybody but also people don't remember what he was doing. Do you remember the quotes where he was playing? So the Panthers did him wrong anyway, by allowing him to play, he couldn't throw the ball 15 yards downfield. And he admitted that like his shoulder literally didn't allow it. And he kept playing anyway. They were undefeated when he, before he went down with the shoulder stuff, they, people forget like two years ago, they started out undefeated. Like they were hot. They were good. They were rolling. And then his shoulder went out and he couldn't do anything physically. And they let him play and get worse. Like he gave up his body and like more years of his career just to try and keep them alive two years ago. The season well, that you're look, talking about, that's what he yeah. did. I'm not, I'm not, I, I never have an argument against Cam. I mean, that he's a good, talented quarterback. I think he has limitations. Um, I, I think that, you know, at his best, he's one of the top three or four in the league. Um, when he's not at his best, he can be, you know, bottom third of the league kind of quarterback. And that's the problem with a guy like Cam. The swings are too much, right? You want a little bit more consistency before you have to figure out exactly what is and what isn't. So to that end, you know, I, I think it's really, uh, it's unfortunate. Nick Foles that got traded, holding. man. Nick Foles got traded and he gets injured every year. Foles that guy not a starter in this league. He's starting this year. Not a starter. Yeah, I know, but he's not a starter. I mean, you keep getting, but teams keeps keep getting doing pulled. it. Keeps teams keep trading. So like the cam stuff, I just, when people go down that road of like, he's injury prone, he's older. It's like, Nick Foles just got traded on the worst contract in football. People keep paying Nick Foles. People keep paying I, Chase Daniel. People keep paying these guys. Would, and I'm like, don't, would, uh, it just doesn't add up. If I was Jacksonville, I'd call and pick him up. You know, he, he knows the yeah. area. Obviously, he was at Florida, not too far from Gainesville. Um, it should be the Chargers, know, those, not Jacksonville. Like, well, I, that's where I hope be. he ends up. It should be, but Jackson, Jacksonville, believe, you can't look me in the eye and tell me you believe that Gardner Minshew is going to be a difference maker at quarter. I just don't believe I that. could see it. I, he I was just, good last year. I in spurts. Yeah. I think you have a full yeah. year to see it through. I, I I would like to see it over a 16 game season. Okay. Well then then you're then you're then you're making coaching decisions from the front office saying you can't bench this guy no matter what. I would do they that. They benched yeah. him last year. They benched him last year. Well they went so, back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll have to see what happens. But ultimately, Chargers, go sign Cam. He was working out with Tyrod on Instagram yesterday. So go do that. Bring him in and uh, revitalize his career and help Cam get the last lap. Because Cam's a good guy, and Cam has just gotten a really shitty deal over the last couple months, and I, I don't like any of it. Um, Zeno, you have a podcast. You do radio for Atlanta SportsX, A to Z. Um, what can we uh, look for from you on the podcast and radio front the rest of this week and in the coming weeks? Sure. Um, Hazard Ground Podcast is my military podcast. Make sure you guys check it out. Go to our website, hazardground.com. Some amazing stories of heroism, inspiration, and combat and survival. Uh, also, uh, Hudson Mason and I have launched the Quarterback and the Colonel podcast. The latest episode of that just dropped yesterday. Uh, we had a lot more fun on that than anything else. We talk a little bit of sports, but we, we usually do fall and have fun. Uh, Hudson's one of those guys I really get along with. So check out the Quarterback and the Colonel as well. Make sure you subscribe. 
Great review to both, um, and uh, we're good to hear our ADZ mock drafts. We don't draft players. We draft a lot of fun stuff. Like we've done cereals, fast food restaurants, uh, chain restaurants, wrestlers, candy bars. So we do like a mock draft. Uh, everybody picks one, puts a team together, and then we throw it out there on Twitter to see who drafted the best team. So that stuff is kind of fun uh, as well. And just make sure you check out A to Z every day, 3 to 6 p.m. on Atlanta Sports X. Download the app so you can listen anywhere. Go do that. Zeno, keep up the great work, sir. And uh, we'll have to do this again soon. Chase Thomas, definitely. Thanks, brother. All right, that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you uh, to the wonderful guests for coming on today's show. Thank you uh, to my wonderful listeners for listening to today's episode. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Um, If you like today's episode, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple. It would be great. Um, It helps the show continue to grow, and I would very much appreciate it. Uh, You can also support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash chase thomas writer. Um, for as little as $5 a month, it helps the show keep the lights on. So that would be a great help to me as well. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at chase underscore Thomas. You could go to chase podcast.com, which has all of my stuff, all my episodes ever, um, links to everything that you need. Um, and all of my writing that, uh, I'm doing fairly often these days, um, on the NFL, on NBA, on college football, on pro wrestling. I write about everything. I write a lot. Um, so go read me on that front so if you're not tired of listening to me you can also read me um so that's awesome but uh i think that's enough self-promotion from me for one episode Uh, i hope you continue listening that would be great and uh i will talk to you all again very soon thanks guys nicely done nephew Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.